Hey everybody, welcome to Real Estate Investing Mastery. Uh, I'm in for uh, another exciting podcast interview. And Alex, you're there this time. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Real good. You're on a little vacation with your family, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You could call it a uh, little vacation up with the in-laws um, for Memorial Day weekend. Had really, really great weather up here. It's kind of crazy, actually, because a lot, a lot of people are saying it's like the best weather it's been in the last 300 days. <laughs> that's pretty bad when that's your weather situation, but I guess we brought it up from Virginia, so. <laughs> right. And uh, so you're on a cell phone. That's why the, um, the audio quality is not that good. But I'm sure Yes, yes. I do apologize to the community for that, but yeah, it is what it is. I appreciate you being on. And... Uh, just as a reminder, everybody, go to our website, realestateinvestingmastery.com, to get a bunch of bonuses, uh, really valuable videos that uh, Alex and I did. We called it the cash, Fast Cash Start Survival Kit, something like that. <laughs> fast, fast Cash Survival Kit. That's it, yes. <laughs> and um, and uh, a lot of cool stuff on there. I'm getting some really, really good feedback from that, and uh, we probably should have charged something for it, and maybe we will in the future, but... For now, it's free, so get it while the getting's good. Um, I'm real excited about this guy we got to, we're going to interview today, Alex. His name is Mike Ferris, and he's in the um, um, uh, Delaware area. Am I am I am Mike? I right, Mike? Yes, okay. Delaware is the state. Um, it's as big as most counties. <laughs> What's the city you live in? Um, I live in Middletown, uh, which I'm sure nobody's heard of, but it's uh, halfway between Dover, where Dover Downs is, and the Dover Air Force Base, and uh, Wilmington. Okay. So you do most of your business in the Wilmington area? Is that right? Um, no. Um, okay. I do um, a good bit up there, but um, I do a good bit downstate as well. There's only three counties in Delaware. Um, and uh, I'd say we're split between the lower county and the upper county, um, but I'm open to uh, business in all three. Okay. Well, I met Mike through Life in Air. You've heard me talk about Life in Air before. It's a, it's a coaching, mentoring program that I'm involved in, and um, uh, there's a group in the Life in Air uh, team uh, called the Flip Vips. And uh, Mike is one of the flip vips, a uh, guy who has done a lot of real estate deals over the last few years, doing very, very well for himself and his family. I really like his values. We share very similar uh, values and, and faith. And um, so I wanted to ask him to just kind of share what's working for him. What kind of real estate investing is he doing today? What does he like to do? Um, what's working for him and what, what's not? And uh, so Mike... Talk a little bit about your story. I mean, what what were you doing before you got involved in real estate? Did you have a Did you have a career in the uh, corporate world? I did. Um, I'll, I'll jump back even before my corporate experience to uh, ten years active duty Air Force. Oh yeah. Um, after that, uh, school for a little while, and then uh, got sucked into the corporate world. So I was uh, working for a credit card bank um, in, a, in a lot of different functions, um, but ultimately um, in sales and, um, and uh, relationship management. So um, my last position at the bank, I was managing relationships between our bank and other banks uh, in the business credit area. So it was... Uh, <laughs> It was a situation when uh, I was in that position and married and debt was rising and uh, it, it was just getting to be a critical position financially and my wife and I said we have to do something and she likes to stay up late at night and uh, she was watching some infomercials and bought um, Carlton Sheets, No Money Down Real Estate Investing. <laughs> and I snickered at her a little bit, and uh, she read through it and uh, assured me that we could do this. And what year was this, Mike? This was in 98, 99. Okay. Carlton Sheet. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he was the catalyst for many investors. Many. That's right. 
<clears throat> so my wife reads this course and, uh, and assures me that we can do this. And I said, well, you can do it. And if you need some help, you let me know. But this one's on you. And after she had finished, it was two weeks later that she found somebody that would sell us a couple duplexes and hold 103% financing. Wow. Owner financing. Yeah. So, um, you know, she kind of put me in my place. Wow. It, it, it kind of snowballed from there. It was pretty easy to buy. Um, prices were pretty good in the late 90s and uh, 10 years ago. And we were just amassing a rental portfolio. You know, it didn't take long and we had 20 rentals and then 30 rentals and then 40 rentals. And uh, it got to the point where she had to leave her position. She worked for the same bank as I did. And um, she was managing our rentals full time and I was part time. And then it became very clear that it was time for me to leave also. So in uh, 2003, I had left uh, the bank as well. So that was uh, eight years ago. So full-time investing since uh, 2003, but started in 99. For eight years. And uh, is your wife still working with you in the business? Yes. Uh, we are both the sole owners, and this is all we do. And we, we like That's to try incredible. things. We have, um, boy, I don't, I, I don't know how many rentals, maybe 180-ish. Oh, my uh, some, gosh. Somewhere around there. And we had sold off a bunch. Um, and we used to manage more than that for other people. So we had almost 400 that we were managing. Wow. Um, and we we do rent to own and we flip and wholesale. Um, I, I like to try different things. And um, as you know, I've, I've gotten my best foot forward with wholesaling lease options. And um, you know, I'm just kind of in a position right now where everything is like I'm marching through peanut butter but um, I'm, I'm making some strides there I think it's an interesting and great way to make some extra money and do something with the leads that I can't really do anything with other ways so I, I really really love real estate investing and if you were to ask me why um, I think just by my nature I'm a salesperson I'm a but what's great for me is I wake up in the morning, um, I get to get my kids up this morning, both my daughters were sitting next to me, and uh, we watched Spongebob before breakfast. <laughs> nice. I got them off to school. Um, I will pick them up again in about an hour, and uh, we're going to go ride bikes for a little while. Um, then I'll get to make dinner for them, and uh, there is no better reason on earth than to get to be a father to my kids. How old are your kids, Mike? They are six and eight. Nice. And when I look back, it, it's not going to be about how much money I have in the bank. It's going to be that real estate investing gave me what I want in life. Hmm. Absolutely. Mike, I got a question for you. With, Ready. With all, the, with all the rentals that you have, um, what is your what is your positive monthly cash flow? I mean, 180 rentals. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's that's something I don't know if I would want to have because I just have not had a lot of luck with just rentals on a small scale basis. But you know, you you probably got the whole thing down to a science. But what, where are you at positive monthly cash flow with that? Boy, that's a really really difficult question for a couple different reasons. Um, one, my wife handles the finances. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Smart man. <laughs> Two, um, depending on what we're doing, um, you know, like right now our vacancy is pretty high because we were working on a really big project and we were intentionally letting uh, units just sit. So wow. right now I can't tell you. Um, but it's, um, it's definitely a... Uh, a great way to to make money uh, along the way and then I, I can't think of much of a better legal way to 
uh, end up with a pile of money when these things are paid off. And can you imagine hmm. when there's 180 rentals paid off free and clear? Oh, absolutely. Even even if you said it's only 500 a month rent that you're getting. It's just, and then to think that you didn't even pay them off. Other people paid them off for you. Right, someone else is making your payments. <laughs> That's just, it's almost like, it, it should, it's not right. I don't It's just, it's a great, great way to make money. Now, it being a landlord is not for everybody. It is, it is tough. And, uh, well, that's the key. The key is being able to survive and live, <laughs> get to the point where they are able to do that for you um, and, and have a really good system set up to handle that. Because, you know, I understand the power of rentals. I mean, it's something I have not done. I'm not held property. I usually just try to get the cash and run type of thing. But I realize, you know, the rentals and having long-term holds and free and clear properties is the key to true financial um, independence, I guess, where you don't have to do anything but go to your mailbox. (laughs) Mike, talk a little bit about some of the um, issues involved with managing that many properties. Do you have, you know, I imagine you have a, a process manual, best practices. What are some some advice to somebody you could give who wants to uh, get in the rental business like you have um either don't do it or go for it um one or two rentals for me just seems like it's more trouble than it's worth because you need to 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 come up that learning curve and get all your processes together and um to build that whole system for one or two rentals just seems like it's not worth it yeah and there's there's not much to um balance out when you have a vacancy or or something like that um but you know that's that's up to somebody's finances individually and maybe they can handle that for a while but um it, it takes it, it it takes an a lot of planning a lot of guts and um it, it's uh it's something that if you don't do right, it will take you down. So, what are some of the what are some of the ways to do it right? Well, the you need to plan for the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, right now, we are in a position where we've we had uh, we took a big big apartment to condo conversion on in. Uh, Oh six, oh five, oh six, and uh, we ended up getting stuck with seventy-two condos that we didn't want, um, and that project um, just really drained us personally, drained our business, and um, we didn't plan on the worst-case scenario with that, and it has severely affected our rental portfolio. That's we've got a very high vacancy right now, and a, and a lot of work ahead of us to get those things ready and um, rent it again Um, so uh, take that down to a smaller scale if somebody doesn't plan on the fact that a tenant is going to um, cause damage to their unit and it's going to take some time to re-rent it um, so all these things happen at once tenant moves out income stops then you've got to start spending time that you weren't spending before managing or doing the work to get this thing ready and spending all that money and then advertising and finding a tenant. Um, that process alone has sunk many ships. Oh yeah. And, uh, you need to know that that's coming and plan for it. If you cannot plan for the worst and survive the worst, don't do it. That's what I love about wholesaling. There's, there, there's no risk. I'm in, I'm out, I'm walking away with, you know, paydays anywhere from on a bad day of a couple thousand to a good day over 60. You know, it's, and I'm done. Right. Bank and there's no more ties, no more strings attached. But the beautiful thing with owning uh, uh, rental properties that give you 
passive income, whether you want to call it passive or not, it's up to for debate. Yeah, if you're but, managing your own property, it's not very passive. Right. But um, that's the beautiful thing about it because that gives you that consistent, predictable, when you're preparing for the worst, predictable income. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about how do you plan for worst case scenarios? I'm assuming you set aside money every month from your rents. Is that other other, other ways you do, that you do yeah, that? That's it. You, you need to make sure that um, you've got plenty in reserves for the renovation or the new make ready. Um, you need to make sure that if it takes two or three times as long to rent it, that you've, you're going to be safe. You can cover your mortgage and all your expenses. Um, you need to be realistic about what it's going to cost you to do the work. Maybe you planned on doing it yourself, um, and then you find when the tenant moves out, you don't have the time, and now it's going to cost you to get a contractor in there to do it. Now, there, there's a lot of things to consider, and I, you know, you would never expect somebody who's just starting to think of all the things they don't know about. So, my best advice there is to. Uh, Find a, an investor group, a landlord group, um, and and start plugging into people who have blazed that trail before you. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, um, well, in life, in the life in our group, who has a bunch of rental properties, and they used to use a property management company, and they talked about how much stressful, it, how stressful it was, and it wasn't until they started managing their own properties themselves that it really became easy, and I thought that was interesting. Um, her, her perspective on that because um, and I've seen that over and over uh, I think even in my uh, in my own small rental portfolio um, when when you can manage it yourself and you can prepare for the worst case scenarios like that it's not that bad <laughs> you no. know what I mean would you agree to that yeah the the, the problem becomes 99% of the time when there's no money to do what you need to do yeah so you know the our core business is the rentals okay um, and it's uh i can tell stories for a long time about crazy tenants and wacky situations um but i mean it's a business for us we have a maintenance department office staff um and it's a pretty cool business do you uh, see yourself you're talking about being debt-free and owning 150 homes. I mean, is that one of your goals, to own all of those homes free and clear in five yes. or ten years? Yes. Um, but it won't be five or ten years, especially after uh, this condo conversion yeah. <laughs> fiasco. Um, Do you want to talk about that, by the way? I know a little bit about it. Did we ever talk about it? Is no. that what you said? Do you want to talk about that condo conversion? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to. This, this would be uh, a great... Yeah, a story for people to learn from. Um, we um, we bought an apartment complex that had just gone through the condo conversion, so there were no longer eighty apartments in this complex. There were eighty individual tax IDs. Mm -hmm. um, our goal was to renovate the grounds, renovate each unit, and the complex was only eight or nine years old at that point. Um, and then start selling them off, you know, low 100s as uh, condominiums. And what year was this when you bought it? Oh, six. Yikes. Beginning of oh, six. Yeah. So it's, uh, you can imagine. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so go on. We, uh, we put a bunch of money into these renovations. Well, we got the first wave of units ready for resale. Uh, we sold 10% of the complex, and then it just stopped. Financing was not available anymore. Um, this was a non-warrantable uh, uh, situation because there was less than 50% homeowners. So condos, it's difficult to get financing on, period. Now let's try to get financing on an apartment-to-condo conversion. Huh. Um, we just could not find anybody to write loans on it. <clears throat> so ultimately what happened, long story short, is we had planned on selling units, using that money to renovate the next wave of units, and just keep going until we got to the end, and then our profit was all at the end. Well, 10% sold, that didn't get you very far in renovating 
the other 72. And uh, basically, we did not plan on the bottom falling out of the market. And um, all the money it took to renovate the rest of the complex basically took every penny my wife and I had personally and uh, out of our other business, our rental business, and it put us in a position where uh, the person who financially backed the whole thing had to step in and start feeding this monster. Wow. Um, so we let our rental portfolio and our other business uh, get to the brink of disaster, and now we're trying to recover it, and uh, it's just a really tough situation. I think we're going to pull through. There might be some choices to let some stuff go. Um, and keep some others, uh, not really sure, but bottom line is I know enough about investing and I do enough of it that I'm not afraid for my uh, financial well-being in the long run. It's just it's just a long, hard fight. Um, long story short, um, number one, you can get too big for your britches, especially if you're not planning on things going bad. Yeah. And, uh, the planning on things going bad is really really important in this i'm I'm sorry alex um mike in in this case how could you have planned for the worst case scenario in a in a development in a project like that um i don't think many people would have predicted um a crash like this you know obviously there were many builders many developers that got caught up in it um but there was um, there was too much that if if we simply would have said what if you can't sell these units what are you going to do mm. we would have had to look at each other and go uh, I don't know <laughs> but right. nobody nobody thought about that everything was everybody was you know like cheerleading this is great. This is great. You know, look at the look at this profit margin you're going to make. The banks thought it. The investor that backed it thought it. All the real estate agents thought it. But nobody really took the time to talk about the what ifs. Well, you got to give yourself a pat on the back if you haven't already for fighting this thing through and not just walking away. I think that's really admirable, Mike. Yeah, I mean that. I appreciate that, um, but I, I really don't even give that a second thought. <laughs> All the more reason why I admire that. <laughs> but um, no, I'm definitely, I definitely admire that as well. A lot of people would have just thrown up their hands and walked away, you know. And 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 that's something where, I mean, I got into a pretty sticky situation on a rehab that I was doing, and it just seemed like everything was going wrong. I mean, that has nothing to do with like the scale that you were working on, but everything was going wrong on the rehab and you're just thinking to yourself, man, I'm not going to make any money from this, but you know, you got to protect your investor that's behind you and finish it out so that, uh, you know, he gets his money back. And, and, and I mean, that's, if you've got somebody behind you, that's who you got to take care of first, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think this investor is very well aware that, um, or this financial backer that, um, we gave everything we had to give. Yeah. Period. So it's, uh, it, it is definitely a, a situation where we did all we could. We took care of him and protected him as much as we could. And now it's just ugly. <laughs> so if we want to talk about ugly, I can give you some more uh, ugliness to learn from. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, exciting. This is an exciting <laughs> call. This is the what, most what, pressing interview. I was uh, trying to get to the money making. That's why I asked the question before that. So there's got to be some positives here. Did, haven't you done some big deals recently where you put some key ash in the bank and, and came home with a big smile on your face? <laughs> all the time. All the time. Let me just tell you two other downers. Yeah. Um, we'll get one, to the good. I did a, a flip. I'm still trying to sell it having an awful time because a real estate agent um, told me what they thought the resale was and he's about 50,000 off. Oh boy. Um, 
so as you can imagine, the, the uh, profit's pretty much gone, and I'll have to come to the table. Lesson uh, learned. Yeah. So don't think that you can trust the real estate agent solely. Good. Um, especially if you don't know the area very well, it doesn't hurt to get other opinions and to stick your nose in there and do your best Good. and figure things out. Um, and I guess this other one, well, no, I, I'm going to say this isn't a real estate agent's fault. Um, general contractor giving you a bid. Um, I've worked with this guy before. It was a big project, actually a big high profile project. Um, and, uh, I knew he was giving me a fair price, but his scope of work was not as thorough as it should have been. And, uh, I didn't have anybody else look at the job. Anybody else bid it out and ended up losing money on that deal, um, over 50,000. Um, and that was simply because I didn't get enough people in there to look at it. So there's some lessons learned. Good stuff. Well, and that's why we that's why we called you. We didn't want to hear all your sob stories. <laughs> but I wanted I thought that was good because um, you win some and you lose some. And yeah. um, both Alex and I have had deals that have fallen apart that we've lost money on. But the the deals that we've done, um, the good ones, have far outweigh the bad ones. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit. What are what are some of your best deals that you've ever flipped, Mike? Um. You know, the stuff I have the most fun with is wholesaling. Yeah. Um, you know, flips are flips. Now, you mean uh, by you mean by flip, fixing it up and selling it to a retail buyer, right? Yeah, okay. renovate and resell. Okay. Um, you know, truthfully, I love watching the process, but the thrill is gone, and I'd much rather just make quick, easy money wholesaling. And I'll tell you what I love about wholesaling. I just recently pocketed about twenty five grand on a deal, and... Um, never saw it um and this happens relatively frequently I, I i don't look at the property i get the call from somebody through whichever advertising channel talk to them find out if they're okay with selling it discounted find out how motivated they are what their situation is um and then i'll send a real estate agent out to look at it tell me what they think they can sell it for quickly as is um i'll get a contract on it put the property on the MLS and just collect money at settlement. Uh, we, had, we just interviewed a guy um, uh, just recently does that in California all the time. Remember, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, I can't let him get away too easy. He said certain advertising venues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what advertising venues working best for you right now? Um, direct mail. I love probate. I love houses in probate. Interesting. Um, I could talk about that for quite a while. Um, and the other thing that works very well is if you're not afraid to spend money on big ads in the newspaper, whatever your most popular newspaper is, you know, I'll spend 250 bucks just to run one ad. But... I will get business. So a big ad in the newspaper. What what, what does your ad say? <laughs> I just ran a test ad um, in last Sunday's paper. It says, I will buy your house. Big, big letters. I don't want the pretty ones. I want houses that need work. Fast settlement. That's it. And, okay, well, talk numbers then. How many, how many leads will you, or calls will you get from that? Uh, uh, that one generated five calls so far. And how long has it been out there? Uh, that was just an ad in the Sunday paper. Nice. Five calls. So what does that come out to per call? Five uh, divided by two fifty. Hundred dollars a hundred. No, that's uh, fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yep, fifty bucks a call. That's not too bad. Did uh, they all turn into leads? Um, you know, honestly, this is for one of my students, so um, I'm not sure where she is with those. I need to talk to her at the end of today and find out how those are going. So how long have you been doing ads like that? Uh, a couple years. And do you put them in the, the classified section or, or where? Yeah, our classified section has a full color uh, front page to it. 
Okay. So I will just I'll go in the top right uh, corner of the cover page, full color ad. Interesting. And you know people are um, nervous to spend that kind of money, especially when you don't have a lot. Um, but it to me it's not very risky. I know if I spend a thousand dollars a month on that ad every Sunday that. It's just a matter of time, and I will make it back probably tenfold. How does that compare? How do the leads from the newspaper compare to what you get um, with postcards and direct mail? Um, I prefer direct mail over everything. Yeah. Uh, You get many more crazy people calling you from the newspaper or phone book ads. I'm, I'm stopping the phone book ads. Yeah. I think my website in a phone book ad should be call Santa. Like, you know, like they're curling up in your lap and they're wanting these free gifts. <laughs> that feels very true, right? You know, people say, well, instead of paying the real estate agent 6% to sell my house, I thought maybe I'd discount it 3% for you and meet you in the middle. Wow. Really? That's ridiculous. I, you know, that, that happens all the time. That makes me, yeah. Oh, that still gets me. I'm like, okay. I will buy your house. Does that mean I'm an idiot? <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty wild what people think. But, you know, if, if you're sending a letter to somebody looking for a motivated seller, your letter explains a little bit more about what you do. You get less calls from people who really aren't going to sell you their house. And if you're and if you're targeting the type of people who are more likely to be motivated, um, you your ratio of uh, sales or buys per call is much better. Well, and you're targeting the homes you want to buy. Well, I'm targeting situations. I'm targeting people who have inherited a house. Inherited a house. Herited. Boy, inherited a house. Uh huh. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> Are you sending letters or postcards out to that list? Um, letters. I, I think postcards in that situation are too fly-by-night. You know, they do you do yellow letters or form letters addressed to the executor? Um, I do a very professional letter to the executor or executrix. Short, Interesting. Sweet, don't waste their time, not overly um, apologetic about their situation and everything. Right. You know, I, I've I've seen people when I go to their house will show me the other letters they've received, and I can't tell you how many comments I get about my letters standing out amongst the rest. Mike, would you be willing to share that letter? Um, it's okay if you say no. I'm putting you on the spot. Yes and no. Um, I, I, I've shared it with um, some people. Um, but it will be part of a uh, probate, I guess I'm going to call it a system, um, that I'll be offering soon where people will be able to subscribe to leads in their area. Nice. Um, it, it'll be a mail merge of their leads into these letters, and you can customize the letter like if you want to tweak it, whatever. And then they'll go out on a scheduled basis for you and what happens is you know you're not you're not paying printing and all kinds of stuff you'll get a pdf email and all you have to do is print and pop them in the mail um it's like all the hard work is done for you you don't have to worry about scheduling you don't have to worry about doing your own mail merge you don't have to worry about scrubbing your leads everything's done for you you just get these emails and you hit print i didn't even know you were offering this so this is a like a uh, you're gonna give. You're gonna supply the list of probates to people. Correct. Nice. How are you gonna? Go ahead. How, how are you going to supply a list of probates in uh, in an in an area? I mean, there's only way for most areas is to actually go to the courthouse and pull them yourself. Yeah, it's um, that's that's right. In some places, that's the only way you can get them, um, but. We have ways. <laughs> Here's the hook. Well, hey, it's, 
you know, it's you just you can pay somebody to go do it for you. That's the bottom line. And yeah. we're, we'll be offering exclusivity, so we won't sell. We won't go down to the courthouse and get leads and then sell them to ten people. And they're cheaper than what I've found on, you know, some other. Well, it's the cheapest I've found out there. Period. Okay, so th- this is um, really cool. You're sending yellow, or not even yellow letters, professional letters um, to executors of estates. <clears throat> and are you? Is your message in the letter? I'm sorry about your loss. Do you even mention anything like that? Um. Let me. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I, I do. I, I mentioned like I, I know this is a difficult time. Let me keep this short. This is what we do. Um, you know, I apologize. I send it to all open estates, and I apologize if this doesn't apply to your situation. And there's not a house involved in the estate. Wow, you a- say all of that. <laughs> but you don't even try to whittle down who has an estate and who doesn't. You just send to all the files. Right. Sometimes there's not. I guess that would save some manpower, actually. What's that? I said that would save some manpower because I actually take the time and show my virtual assistant to root out which ones have estates and which ones don't, or houses and which ones don't. Yeah, and you'll find the house on the inventory in the estate, but um, you know, if you if you send it quickly after the estate is open, the inventory might not even be filed yet. Um, right. Absolutely. And there also might be an unwanted house because of the death that's not in the estate. Sometimes, like, the parent would have passed the house down to their child, right? So the child actually owns it and um, so that it doesn't get all tied up in probate and everything. Um, And then uh, once the the parent dies, the the child is looking to, to unload this thing. Huh. And they might have other houses, you know, from a business. Maybe they have a few rental properties or something. So the bottom line is there there could be houses outside of what's listed in the estate. So I just go for it all. I know a guy who sends letters to, um, to probates and inherited properties. And um, he actually uses a professional letter himself, says it does better. Uh, he actually puts a photo, a picture of himself on the uh, letter and says his uh, he pulls better with that than he does anything else but he um this guy in particular that i'm thinking of does not mention anything about the passing away of the loved one or, or apologizing for that he just says um we're looking to buy some homes in this certain county that need a lot of work and i'm an investor and i'd like to buy it give me a call and does really well with that have you tried mike different uh, strategies different things in the letter and find what works better than others Yes. Um, it actually took me a little bit over a year, and every time I sent out a letter, um, I would change it based on the calls that I was getting. Um, and at first, I got a lot of people calling just upset. And I, and I thought I was writing a very kind, sensitive letter. Yeah. You know, you're, you're no better than an ambulance chaser and... You know, what do you do reading the obituaries? And I mean, it was terrible. And people were genuinely upset. Um, but the, the more and more I tweaked the letter, and sometimes it was simply a one-word change in a sentence, um, the more and more I changed it, the better I got. Um, and when I crossed over from very, very few uh, phone calls with, you know, don't ever send me another letter or how dare you, to people actually calling and complimenting me. I thought, okay, now I've kind of arrived. Wow. All right, Mike, read us the letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's four different letters. They, I send every person four letters, um, and each one is a little bit different. But I, I don't have them pulled up on my computer, so I, and I don't remember them. But <laughs> bottom line is they're short and they're sweet, and... Uh, they're not overly sappy, professional. Well, bottom, bottom line is you're doing something. You're getting something out there, um, and you're tweaking it and finding out what works. Marketing is the key to this business. I've said that a hundred times a hundred. 
Um, doesn't don't spend too much time getting down the nitty gritty of what should be in the letter or whatnot. Just get it out there, and you can tweak it as you go, like Mike has done, and improve with what you have. Um, and just to, just remember to keep it simple. Yeah, and I suspect that if you went from, um, let's say, uh, you know, somewhere up in the northeast, and you got a letter to work up there, and then you tried the same letter in Kentucky, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't work. You'd probably have to change it somehow. So, yeah, that, that's something that I, I don't think I've got the silver bullet for everything. I've got what I think is the silver bullet for the three counties that I work in. All right, so you're, you're, you're sending direct mail to these people. Um, and by the way, you will give us maybe a, a website or something at the end of this call for people to get a hold of you if they're interested in, in getting more information or getting on a list. Um, uh, I, I can give you my email if somebody's interested in uh, the probate information. Um, they can shoot me an email. Sometimes my inbox gets uh, inundated, and it takes me a little while to get back to someone. But um, there is not a website, a live website for this. Um, but there will be soon. Okay. Well, what is your email, Mike? Mike at FerrisProperties. Dot com. F is in Frank, E-R-R-I-S, properties, plural, dot com. Cool. All right, so you get a seller on the phone. They wanted, you, you kind of give them a soft pass offer on the phone, tell them this is your range, that what you're, what you're looking to buy a home at. And um, if they are motivated, if they have, you, you talked before about finding their need, what they really need, not what they want. But if you know there's some room, you send a realtor to the home, and you get them to tell you what they think the value of the house is, right? Um, sometimes it, it really depends if how close it is, if it's convenient for me to go or not. Um, but yeah, I'm, if they're okay with a discount of about thirty-five percent from you know its current value, and uh, they're just looking to unload it, um, yeah, I'll send a realtor out, have them tell me what they think it'll sell for as is, and. Uh, some of them are good enough to shoot some pictures and tell me what they think repairs are necessary and what it could sell for. Um, and then I'll just wholesale it out. Sometimes I'll keep it and flip it. I know some people are saying, well, I can just hear it. Uh, what is this? The seller doesn't mind you getting it under contract for X and then immediately turning around and selling it on the MLS for X plus 20000 Um. You know, if you suspect that they're going to have a problem with it, then um, you can double close both the seller or the buyer if you suspect they're going to have an issue with you making money. But uh, it's a very rare situation, you know. I, I tell people. What, if, what about when they see that sign in the yard, that MLS realtor sign in the yard while they're still there or living there, if that's a situation? No, I don't do it. No sign. Oh, so you just put it on the MLS? Yep, I do Craigslist, MLS, and um, I have a wholesaler list, and I just push it out to everybody. And uh, most of the time, they just simply don't care. Yeah. You know, their goal is to get rid of this thing. And I tell them, you know, I need to make a profit. Um, I'm going to find somebody to do this with me. Hmm, good. Um there have been occasions where so so when I say I'm going to find somebody to do this with me, you know, they completely understand when somebody else is at the settlement table and you know a settlement sheet's kind of intimidating. There's a lot of numbers on there so they're just looking, did I get what I'm supposed to get? Yep. Done. But then there's other times where I say, look, I'm really not very interested in this, um, but I think I can help you. And um, I agree on a number with them and I tell them, look, anything over this number, if I can get it for you, is mine. But I'll get at least this for you. And then uh, I tell them, I'm just going to do like a mini auction. And I'll list it for, and just say, you know, I'm taking offers for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, um, as long as it's above this minimum, highest offer wins. You know, uh, I've used that before when I'm talking to sellers. I'll actually show them my numbers, and uh, I'll tell them what I think the house is worth, what I think the rehab is going to cost, what I'm going to spend on 
carrying costs, financing costs, realtors, and my minimum profit, I tell them is, you know, 20%. And I just show them the numbers. And um, it's amazing that uh, they, they accept that. They don't question that. When you tell them and upfront with them what you need to buy this house for and what you're going to be doing with it and whatever, um, if they have a problem with it, they're not motivated. You don't need to be on the phone with them anyway. Yeah, and sometimes I'll say, look, how about this? So I don't run away with a bunch of money and leave you with a small amount. How about um, I agree to a minimum of this with you and I make the next 5000 Anything over that 5000 we split 50-50. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's some great stuff. And, and that's the kind of thing that I really like about this business. You can... You're your own boss. You can come up with your own ideas. It's not very boring. It's it's not rote. There's not. I'm not bored with the same old thing every day. And I get to go pick up my kids in a few minutes. <laughs> what quick question here? You you look at thirty percent of the current value or thirty percent, thirty five percent off the current value, Mike? Thirty five percent off of the value of it as it sits. Right. 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 So if it's a two hundred thousand dollar house and it needs twenty in work, current value is one eighty. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Mike, because um, I know you got to get going here. If you were dropped in a new city, God forbid, L.A. or something like that. I'm just kidding. Somebody from California is going to get send us hate mail. <laughs> but you know, L.A. Let's say you're dropped in some city. Um, and, and you didn't know anybody there. You had no idea, you, you know, you just all of a sudden you upped and moved to uh, some other city. What would you do to start making money in real estate? Um, well, I guess it would depend if I had any money to, to advertise, but the first thing I would do would be wholesaling, um, deals. I would, I would advertise, I would spend whatever money I had advertising and wholesaling. So yeah, let's say you had a thousand, a couple thousand dollars to start advertising. What kind of marketing would you do? I would. Um, I'd probably send out probate letters. Wow. Okay. So yep. you'd send out letters. Would you send anything to absentee owners with equity? Uh, absentee owners are great. Uh, delinquent mortgages are great. Open estates are great. Um, if I had the time and a limited amount of money, I'd go down to the county uh, recorder of deeds or uh, register of wills and uh, start writing down names and mail them out. What if you didn't have any money? What would you do? Um, well, that's a pretty cheap way to do it because there's, you know, if you're going down to uh, the office yourself, you're not buying leads. You just have some postage. Um, if I had no money, I would find people with money. I would tell them about my experience, and um, I'd look for them to support me, um, whether it be with advertising or joint venturing on deals. And I'd go about it that way. I'll be the. I'll find the deals. I'll do the work. You get a better return on your money than you would anywhere else. That's good. And I'm confident that I can do it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think I'd have any trouble convincing somebody, at least with my enthusiasm and self-confidence. Mm, that's so key, having that confidence, knowing that you can do it, because you've done it before. Yep. Very cool. So Alex, that's my story. Alex, do you have any other uh, questions for uh, Mike before we wrap it up? No, I think I'm good, man. I... I uh appreciate him uh, letting us know where it's at on this call, letting us know uh, how he does things. It's, it sounds like he has a really good hustle going on. I can always appreciate that. Um, and uh, confidence is key, like you said. You know, you get thrown in a market where you don't know what's what. You just got to go out there and, you know, and, and uh, if, if you are confident about what you do, you will, other people will naturally be attracted to you and what you do, and you'll make it happen. A true entrepreneur makes it happen no matter what. 
You know, if something if something is pulled away from him or if something falls through, he always finds another way to make it happen. So, and I think yeah. uh, I think I think Mr. Ferris is a true entrepreneur. Yeah, I, you know, I think life is a head game, and uh, real estate investing is a head game. A lot of it is just your confidence and whether you're going to defeat yourself in what you think you can do. And maybe we should do another call because I would love to tell you my philosophy on that kind of stuff. Okay. And uh, I will tell you that there are very few things in my life that have been huge, major, can't do without. And uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about a couple of those things. And uh, I, it, it kind of makes me feel invincible. I'll take you up on that, Mike. Love to. Yeah, after this call, I'll uh, I'll give you a call and we can talk more about scheduling something like that. Because I, I think I've been fascinated by this conversation. One thing I love about doing this show is getting to talk to people in the trenches who are actually doing deals. Uh, they may have something to sell. They may not. But these are guys who have learned from their mistakes, have picked themselves up, have refused to quit, and are just tenacious and are making it happen. I was at uh, Starbucks today, my second office, and uh, just working at the computer, and in walks my beautiful wife and my four kids, just to come in and say hi to me. And I was I was so happy. It's just such a, an exciting moment for me at that time because here's my family. I get to see them. They come in to see me where I'm working. Now I see them all day in my office at home. But, um, you know, if I was working my other job that I used to be at a couple years ago, you know, I'd probably have been on on some job three or four hours away. I'd only get to see my family's my family three or four nights a week if I was lucky. And uh, here, this business has given me the freedom um, to work wherever I want, even a Starbucks. Um, so it's a good thing, really good thing. Yep. That's what it's about. Hey, I would love to talk to you more about some of that other stuff. Um, I'm on my way to pick up my girls. Okay, so Mike. If you want to give me a ring here in a second, I can talk to you while I'm on the road. I will. Hey, thank you, Alex. Hope you enjoy the. Uh, Sounds good. Hope you enjoy Great the rest of your you time. All right. See you, Mike. Bye. Take care. See you, Alex. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Again, don't forget. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Join up our join our uh, mailing list. If I can twist Mike's arm and get the <laughs> those probate letters, I will send them to you. Can't make any promises. But I'm really intrigued uh, with this uh, service that Mike was talking about. Again, his email is, um, uh, what was it, Mike at FerrisProperties.com. Mike at F-E-R-R-I-S, Properties, I-E-S at the end, dot com. And uh, we also have a bunch of free bonuses that we're going to send out to you, a bunch of really good videos on how uh, Alex and I do our own businesses. We just go through step-by-step how to do a deal talk about the importance of uh, making a quick nickel rather than a slow dime and how wholesaling these fast cash strategies like Mike was just talking about um, really will make a big difference in your life. Um, exciting stuff, man. Exciting stuff. Absolutely. All right, Alex. Talk to you later.